Have you had a busy year in the market? Not had time to catch up with 2022's major trends? Well, welcome to Cloud9fin, our suite of podcasts where we bring you the need-to-know information on deals, documentation, ESG, and we deep dive into the themes showing up in the high-yield, leveraged loans, and restructuring spaces. We also have our US podcast, which features discussions with members of the North American Levfin market with US editor Will Cager-Smith. So be sure to check in every second Thursday for that. Today, we're going to be taking you back in time to wrap up 2022 and the trends affecting the Levfin market this year. All the way back in January, we kicked off the year wondering if the wave of restructurings the Levfin industry has been awaiting for quite some time now might actually occur in 2022. Here's what Chris Haffenden, our editor, said. I don't think you are going to get such a favourable financing market that you did in 2021. So some of the names that managed to squeak through with a stress refinancing will probably have to, to do a restructuring. We're already seeing that and some of the more sort of difficult names that tried to refi and now are actually going down the restructuring route, such as Low and Play and, uh, and Hayer Real Estate. And I think there's going to be a few more that sort of get shaken out with the um, with, with the inflation picture. You know, the fact that initially you might be able to push through those price increases, but if you're asking for a second and third round of price increases, are they really going to stick? Um, and then I think there's also just going to be some names which have issued in the last couple of years that aren't really going to be able to hit their business plan. And just naturally, as part of the overall cycle, you are going to see some companies start to get into some degree of distress where they actually do end up in restructuring in 2022 or whether that's a 2023 event, I think is you know, still still up for debate. I'm pleased to hear Chris predicted a deteriorating financing environment, but no one could have guessed the order of magnitude with which this occurred. But I'm skipping ahead before any geopolitical catastrophes occurred this year. Here's what we had to say about just how jolly the market was early on in the year. In Europe, we're having a fairly kind of borrower-friendly moment Docs are very friendly to issuers, of course. Pricing is fairly favourable. We're seeing short commitment deadlines and commitment deadlines getting pushed forward. Yeah, so far this year, the US is actually pretty similar. We haven't seen a huge number of new deal allocations yet, but the early signs do point towards um, accelerated commitment deadlines and a pretty borrower-friendly market in terms of pricing and docs. But then again, Docs have been pretty loose for a while now. Like in the grand scheme of things, the early period of the pandemic um, back in 2020, where it suddenly became a buyer's market, really just feels like a tiny hiccup um, in the broader trend of, of docs becoming looser and looser. But the industry could only enjoy such favourable conditions for so long. On the 24th of February, Russian forces launched a full-scale attack on Ukraine. The invasion had an immediate impact on the Levfin market, completely shutting down new issuance for the longest period since the COVID-19 pandemic. Individual companies operating in Russia or Ukraine or with significant connections to either region, such as Hilding Anders, Oriflame or Holland and Barrett, traded down significantly. But it didn't take long for second order impacts of the war to set in as well. Here's Chris discussing just one of the impacts of the invasion. Yeah, I think one of the things that I think is also interesting is just the massive spike in oil prices and also natural gas and what that impact will have on the economy. So there's this now talk about stagflation that's suddenly reared its head now. The fact that we could see, if these energy prices are extended, 
and that's going to have a massive effect on European growth. But we're now seeing in the last few days the unthinkable about you know countries now saying that they will actually stop uh, taking Russian Russian oil and gas. Maybe that might be in six months or a year's time. But you know there's also companies also withdrawing from you know from the region as well. Everyone in the industry hoped for a speedy recovery and a return to new issuance, but the market reopening was more of a whisper than a shout. This is Mikhail Skipala, a fellow loans reporter, speaking on April 7th. So we have seen a gradual reopening of the market. So far, a few add-ons. Ion Trading actually just only issued a notice that they're closing an add-on to support an acquisition. And um, some of the existing lenders have not been even invited to participate. So we have seen little steps of market reopening in Europe and we have the first uh, European issuer coming back. It's German network of uh, ophthalmological clinics, Bionet. It's a deal that was the last deal trying to get through um, before the the volatility because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine wobbled the market. So Vienna came back, which is interesting, with now an uplift on the pricing and also softening on the terms. New issuance continued in rather an anemic vein. Here's Chris speaking just a week later. What we've seen since is the odd add-on, the small euro-denominated tranche on a part of a much bigger sort of US deal. But we've only seen two deals appear this week, which are Cooper Group, which is a Spanish uh, buildings materials business, and Clinigem, which is uh, a new LBO. But next week, we're expecting quite a lot of issuance. We're going to see um, new deals probably for Morrisons, and we're, we're aware of at least one bond deal, potentially two bond deals. But we think a lot of the issuance that will come back initially will probably be either in the FRN space or in the double B space. Inflation really began to bite towards the beginning of the third quarter and reared its ugly head for two deals in particular that perhaps was a favourite hobby horse of the Levin industry throughout 2022. Here's the fellow loans reporter, Laura Thompson, speaking in spring. How much do you think inflation will impact those big deals that we know are coming, such as Morrison's and Unilever Tea? Yeah, definitely, because these are such big deals that have been coming for, for so long now. Um, they're always front and centre of people's minds and front and centre for being the kind of names that are really impacted by rising food costs and, and so on and so forth. Um, lenders say that, that bankers need to have very, very good answers to how these companies, these two companies specifically, are dealing with inflationary pressures um, before they can get comfortable getting on board and giving what... Um, large deals these are expected to be. That's quite some work that bankers are going to have to do. Of course, we now know that for Unilever T, or as it's known, Ekaterra, bankers put in all that work and more, eventually syndicating an around 1.6 billion euro TLB this December at no ID of 82. Morrison's eventually priced sterling and euro SSNs in the 80s in late spring, but a significant amount of TLB could potentially still be on balance sheets today. Global ABS back in Barcelona brought a bit of warmth to an otherwise frosty CLO market in June. But as CLO issuance remained quiet, to say the least, direct lenders began to take the centre stage. A trend we've seen before the pandemic, direct lenders took their involvement in syndicated markets up a notch 
over the summer of 2022 as pricing fell into their territory and sell-siders scrambled to offload underwritten deals. Back in the spring, the European underwritten pipeline was sitting at around 35 billion euros, according to sources. And while sell-siders have had to bust their guts to push that lower, bankers speaking to Ninefin today say they're pretty pleased about that amount now being around 10 billion euros. Here's Ninefin's Lara Gibson discussing direct lenders' place in the market. For sure, direct lenders will play an increasingly bigger role in the high-yield and leveraged loan spaces. I think the current conditions created the perfect storm for direct lenders as they have lots of dry powder which they need to deploy and are now able to participate in larger deals they previously would have struggled to access. However, having said that, I think there is a limit to what they can do and the role they can play. I think someone who spoke to Ninefin this week was saying that, yeah, sure, they've worked with direct lenders and they're definitely going to feature on some transactions and they will take a larger share of the market. But especially for the large, large deals, they're going to struggle to fill that hole. I think he also said that every single deal going on right now has had a call from direct lenders, but the excitement over that sector solving the punk pipeline is definitely overstated. Inflation continued at pace into the autumn as it still does today. But overall, Levfin credits managed to hold steady as they reported Q2 earnings in September. Mikhail gives us the story at the time. Overall, the second quarter earnings were better than expected. I think like early on in the quarter, there was a lot of uncertainty around like Russian invasion of the Ukraine and the impact on commodity prices. And a lot of companies were at that time grilled on how they were dealing with that. And so the expectations were pretty grim um, and uncertain, and they still are, but I feel that some of the even sell-off that we're seeing coming to summer in some companies particularly has been um, maybe a little bit um, overstretched or um, obviously there are like idiosyncratic risk for particular companies, but like, for example, we've seen Upfield um, pick up after they were able to surprise with really good earnings this season. Nevertheless, the new issuance picture remained difficult into October, as Mikhail tells us. Well, the situation is pretty bleak at the moment. I don't think we're going to see a deal for quite some time. Uh, we already been hearing oh, the post-summer opening is not going to be happening in the scale that everyone would hope for, but drastic sell-off last week that seemed to be gradually continuing um, to sterling this week, at least what we're hearing in the market. I really can't see an issue braving the market at the moment. And we've seen that on the Tenkata gas deal and House of Arge were the like, last deals in Europe that they're trying to push through and they both suffered. I covered Tenkata gas and in any other market, it would be a straightforward add-on. Um, that has a little bit of uh, hefty leverage carrying it. It was just a punchy structure that at the moment just is not sit well with cautious buy side. And we're talking about cautious buy side, but we might be actually talking about that there is no one buying at the moment. A recent so-called Santa rally has allowed some add-ons and amend and extend transactions to come to market towards the end of 2022. And banks took advantage of these improving conditions to offload underwritten deals, such as the aforementioned Ekaterra 
and IT services business Kronosnet. Nevertheless, Europe continues to struggle macroeconomically and we don't expect any major LBO financings to come before the end of 22 or even early next year for that matter. Most activity in 2023 will be driven by the maturity war, but even that won't provide a huge amount of demand in Europe, as Laura Thompson tells us in November. There isn't too big of a maturity war coming up in that 2023-2024 slice of time, um, and that what is upcoming is likely to be A&E'd out, that there's a lot of appetite amongst lenders to A&E out um, maturities that are coming up, you know, we're in a situation where you know, people say 90 is the new par, 80 is the new 90. Lenders don't want these loans maturing at such a discount from par when it's often a macro pressure that's forcing those, those values down rather than any issue with the credit itself. So they have every incentive to, to push out maturities. Um, so there's a lot of hope amongst uh, lenders and issuers that these maturities can be dealt with. Some ANEs amend and extend transactions have already occurred, like Altis International and Sebia, but buy-siders are expecting more than 15 to come early next year. But there are a multitude of trends that will dictate how these transactions go. CLO issuance hasn't been bulky, as, as some may have hoped, though the likes of Blackstone, Hayfin and Onyx have snuck through. Many CLOs will be reaching their investment periods as well, and of course, the macro environment will continue to remain firmly in the picture. We look forward to giving you our 2023 forecast soon, but for now, that's all we have time for. If you do want to read more about some of these situations, head to ninefin.com slash insights, where you can see some of our content in front of the paywall, or you can drop us an email at team at ninefin.com. We're always keen to hear your suggestions for topic ideas, your comments on our discussions, and your feedback on the platform. If you like this podcast, don't forget to like, share and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts.